This is The Guardian. Hi, this is Nasheen. Following the huge impact of the recent ITV dramatisation, the post office IT scandal, one of Britain's worst ever miscarriages of justice, has been centre stage in the news. Back in 2021, we looked in depth at this story over two episodes and the shocking way the post office ignored warnings about glitches in its computer system and instead aggressively pursued prosecutions against its own staff. Today, we're rerunning both episodes in full. This is part two. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Yesterday, we told you the story of Janet Skinner, a sub-postmaster from Hull, who one day noticed that the computer system she used to manage her accounts said she should have £7,000 more cash in her till than was actually there. That £7,000 became £20,000, then £45,000, and then £59,000. She had no idea how it had happened, but the post office wasn't in the mood for excuses. It launched an aggressive private prosecution that resulted in her serving time in prison. I had that lock, and then obviously the, the security guards stood up behind me. He said, please rise, Miss Skinner, um, and obviously you will be taken down. Yeah, and I cried. All I did was cry. When she was released, Janet thought two things that this was the end of her nightmare and that she was the only person this had happened to. But she couldn't have been more wrong. The legal advice I had then was, they're going to get you for false accounting and if you plead guilty, you'll halve the sentence. So that's what I did. They said none. That I was the only person that had a problem. There's no evidence that I've taken any money and then the jury came back with the word guilty. It turned out that these shortfalls were taking place all over the country and the post office looked around and decided not that something might be wrong with its systems but that it was suddenly overrun by a crime wave perpetrated by hundreds of its own previously trusted staff. And so it began to launch prosecution after prosecution. From The Guardian, I'm Anushka Astana. Today in Focus, The Post Office Scandal, Part 2. Richard Brooks, you've been covering the post office scandal for over a decade and it clearly began with all these individual stories taking place all over the country. Sub-postmasters like Janet noticing discrepancies and then finding themselves facing prosecution. Who started to join the dots? Alan Bates is pursuing his um, his campaign really vigorously. He kind of quite shrewdly spotted that there must be other people 
He set up something called the Justice for Sub-Postmasters Alliance and started finding other people. That movement was the vehicle for addressing this, um, all the miscarriages of justice. Wow, so Alan Bates, himself a sub-postmaster, who noticed things weren't right, really drove this. There are many, but he's certainly one of the heroes of the story. Um, Many of the sub-postmasters were taking their case to their MPs, James R. Buthnot, in Hampshire, uh, now Lord Arbuthnot, he was, you know, particularly active uh, in pulling together uh, some of the evidence and putting it to the government. And the post office was forced to start uh, or to commission some investigation by a company called Second Sight. Okay, so what did this organisation, Second Sight, find when they looked at the post office's IT system at Horizon in 2012? There were these, you know, dozens of IT bugs throwing up problems consistently, um, as well as other problems, uh, shortcomings in the in the system, lack of training, uh, lack of cooperation when reporting problems before going to the very adversarial disciplinary or prosecution stage. These problems all began to emerge from the second site report. They found not just the IT problems, but the the big cultural and organisational problems as well. So postmasters had told the post office something looks wrong with the computers and now an IT specialist company brought in to investigate is saying, yeah, there are glitches that might be able to explain these shortfalls and other potential problems. What did the post office do? Once Second Sight had started to find problems, these were sort of people concerned with good standards in IT and they wanted to get their findings out, um, but they weren't allowed to. And they were also told that these weren't their findings anymore. They belonged to the post office and therefore they had to destroy their report. Now, a copy of the draft did get out, so we started to find out a bit more. But the whole post office approach in those years from sort of 2012 to 2015 when it was known that there were huge problems. The post office were trying to stop them getting to the point where they could expose what was happening. Despite all those uh, obstructions, the truth did start to emerge. And at that stage, why didn't the post office reverse these convictions, provide compensation? Exposing uh, miscarriage of justices, as has turned out, would be extremely expensive uh, and would spoil this commercially reasonably successful path that the post office was on. Um, Since 2012, it had kind of turned around its finances. That transformation was the priority. And while the post office were trying to uh, block second sight's work, they knew the game was up. In 2012-13, there were 42 prosecutions of sub-postmasters. In 2013-14, there were just two. And in the following year, there were zero. So, you know, even though they didn't want to admit it, they themselves had no more confidence in pursuing prosecutions based on this evidence. And we know because of freedom of information requests by the journalist Nick Wallace, who has really pursued this story, that by then, by 2013-14, hundreds of people had been prosecuted dozens every year. And yet, before Horizon was put in place, there was never more than a handful in a year. It seems bizarre to me that 
in those years, the post office didn't question how come all of their staff had suddenly become criminals. And this must have destroyed people's reputations. Yeah, absolutely horrendous. The essence of sub-post offices is that they are community bodies. They grew up to be those sort of local stations for the postal system around the country as the railways developed in the 19th century. That's how post-sub-post offices really, the, the thousands of them, first started. So these were real community institutions and being falsely accused of theft from such an institution within a local community must be the most horrendous uh, ordeal to go through. You know, because your reputation, your livelihood, everything absolutely shattered. Of course, the post office aren't thinking, well, would people really do that? You know, would people like Janet Skinner, would they really do something like that, risk ruining their lives by stealing money? You know, they didn't ask these kind of questions that sensible people would. So, Janet, you knew nothing about what was happening elsewhere in the country. You'd been convicted of false accounting, you'd spent 10 weeks in jail, but you were home. Did you think it was over? I thought it was over, but it wasn't over. I started working for a heating company in November of 2007. It was just a temporary position. It sort of got up to, like, June, July of 2008, and then... A friend of mine called me while I was at work and said, Janet, you're in the paper. And it basically said that there's a warrant out for my arrest. What? Again? Why? Because actually at the court hearing when I was sent to jail, they um, ordered me to pay £11,000 compensation. So when I got out of jail, what they'd done is they'd set it against my property so as soon as I sold the property, that's what they was taking. You wouldn't have had to sell that house if you hadn't lost your job. Oh, God, no. I probably, I would, I would have paid the mortgage off by now. That house would have been mine. So I ended up selling that. I didn't make any money off it, obviously, because the post office had taken their share. And it actually turned out they hadn't been paid. Basically, what had happened is there was supposed to be £11,000 left out of the sale of the property, but because of the penalty that I received from the mortgage company, it basically went to them. And no one, and no one told you. No, I was on the front page of the whole Daily Mail. No, the post um, office hadn't contacted you at any point to say anything. No, no, no. Over a year, and they hadn't contacted me. You couldn't make this um, up, could you? No, you couldn't at all. So I had to go to Sheffield Crown Court, hand myself in at the desk which I was then handcuffed, took into a holding cell until later in the afternoon, which, and then, do you know, go before a judge. What's going um, through your head? It must and, have been, like, traumatic. It, well, it is. It's all, it's all traumatic, to be honest. Do you know what? The judge wanted to send me to jail for five years. What? They wanted to send me to jail for five years. So then, obviously, you can imagine what I was like. I was like, and that was a little wreck. Um, but the... Barrister defending me said, you know, we're going to try and get to the bottom of this. They obviously awarded me bail. So what happened next? I went to court the last time, which was the mid-August time. The judge was satisfied that I'd produced all of my bank statements, 
proved that I haven't actually had the money myself and spent it. And the prosecution team was happy at the fact that I'd produced all this information um, and they would set it aside. But now they've then made me liable for the 59,000 as well. So that if any time during my lifetime I come into a windfall of whatever or I inherit money or something like that, then they will take that full amount. And can, can I just ask you something? You've been on the front of the whole Daily Mail at this point. Had you been on the da- in the Daily Mail, in the whole Daily Mail originally with the story? Yes. So, yes. so, so you've, you've had your story all over the papers. You know, yeah. y- your kids' friends presumably know all about it. Your friends know all about it. The, the judges are saying you're basically stealing off pensioners. What did the community think? How did people react to you? People did believe that. That's what I'd done. People believe because I was sent to jail, I must have done it. I must have stolen it. You just get people staring at you. Um, I didn't actually live in the area where I worked, um, but I know there was a lot of talk about me on in that area. Must have affected you, though. Did you want to stay at home and sort of hide? Well, yeah, well, yeah this is the thing. Do you know the thing is? I was actually scared to say my name sometimes in case, in case people recognise my name. Gosh. And just whilst you're in this unbelievable nightmare that's just unravelling you still think at this point it's just you yeah well yeah because you don't know it's happened anywhere else see if you knew if it was aware of it happening everywhere else then you wouldn't feel so alone but you do feel alone and you just feel like you've just got no one to turn to by now janet had not only lost her dream job in the post office and with it her income. She'd also lost her reputation in the community and then her house. She'd been threatened again with jail and the temporary job she was using to get back on her feet was no longer going to be made permanent. But, unbelievably, that was still not the end of Janet's ordeal. I'd gone to work in the morning and I'd said to one of the girls that I sat with, that I didn't feel very well. I said, I don't feel right. Not that I felt poorly. I just knew that I didn't feel right. And it's sort of like I had, like, pins and needles in my hands and my arm. G drove me to the doctor's surgery. Um, When I got there, because it was a Wednesday afternoon, they they couldn't see me because there was no doctors. And they said, if you feel it's an emergency, go to A&E. By the time we got to A&E in Hull, which is the um, Hull Wailing family, I got out of the car. It felt like the middle part of my body disappeared. Oh, my God. Um, so I walked into the hospital and I just said, um, I said, I need to speak, see somebody. I said, I don't feel too good. And I felt like I was a slinky. Do you know when you're a slinky and you do them bounces? So then they got me straight onto a bed, got me hooked up to a machine because I thought I was having a stroke. Um. And my, the the feeling from my neck down, so I could feel that it, as if my legs was just disappearing altogether. So they kept me in overnight and then the, and did took loads of blood tests and whatnot. Um, and then I went for a scan the following day. I said, do you know what it is? So he said, you've got fluid on your spinal cord, just above your coccyx, in the middle of my spine and near the top of my spine. And within 24 hours, I'd lost all feeling from the neck down. From the neck down? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Complete. 
completely. It just gone. Everything. Couldn't feel nothing. The only thing I could move was my arm, was my arms. And why? Do we understand why that happened? Yeah, I mean, obviously it took a couple of weeks for me to get the results and apparently what it was is my immune system was so low, it attacked itself, which created this fluid on my spinal cord. All of your nerve endings are all protected and they're protected by what they call a myelin sheath and the fluid has sort of like bent through that so it literally fused all of my nerves. What causes it? Do you think stress might have contributed to it? Yeah, but stress. I think what's happened is my the stress that my stress was so high, it's created my immune system to be so low. Other people have had a nervous breakdown in the head. It's my body that had the nervous breakdown. Were your family there looking after you? How long did this last? I was in hospital for just under four months. Um, yeah, they told me I'd never walk again. To be honest. Wow. How did that feel? I, would, I, would, I was absolutely devastated and I thought, I mean, at the time my daughter had just told me as well while I was in hospital that she was expecting a baby. Aww. And I thought, do you know what? I, there is no way I can sit. And if I can push myself, and I used to, and I did, I pushed myself and pushed myself um, to learn to walk again. I still have quite a lot of difficulties now, but I can walk. Did you feel like the post office had done this to you? Yeah, I do. Absolutely. I blame them 110%. And I know that's not really a figure, but <laughs> I do blame them. You, you can you can have 110. I think you, you deserve 110% there. And presumably you couldn't work then? No. I've not been able to work since um, September 2008. So how have you been um, living? I um, claim benefits. At this point, you still think it's just you. Tell me when that changes. It was, I was watching the news. It was the um, tea time news. This Surrey post office has a new sub-postmaster. The last one, Seema Misra, is behind bars, convicted of false accounting and stealing £74,000. There was explaining um, about this lady who had been in court for stealing from the post office and she was sent to jail while expecting a baby, and I was just shocked. I thought, God, that's happened to me. Feel shame on this country. They put innocent in the prison. I'm a good citizen. My wife, all the good citizens. We are good people. So I actually contacted the um, solicitors that represented her, and they put me in touch with Alan Bates, um, the Justice for Subpurse Office Alliance. Um, so when I contacted him, I was on the phone with him for quite some time um, and he invited me to a meeting um, where I thought, you know, you'd walk in, there'd be about five or six people. There's about 50. I was absolutely gobsmacked when I walked in that church hall. But it's also relief because it's like thinking, well, do you know, finally, you've got other people in the same situation as you who actually believe you. Tell me about that meeting. What, what were you talking to people about? When you all sat down round in a big circle, saying, you know, can you just introduce yourself and your story? And everybody, it was sort of going round everybody. A lot of them hadn't actually been to jail for it. So there was only me there. Um, so obviously I just 
um, said, my name's Janet Skinner. Uh, I worked for the post office up to 2006. And I was, um, I'd shortfall a £59,000 and I was committed to jail for nine months and everybody just turned around and stared at me. And I thought, wow, I've just gone back in time. Do you know when you think everybody's looking at you? But it wasn't, they weren't looking at me as like a guilty person. They was looking at me as in a sorrowful way. Um, God, that must have been a moment. It was just, it was a surreal moment, to be fair. It really was. I can actually picture the church on. I even remember where I was sat. Tell me what that led to. Like, what did you start on after that? What journey did you start on? That journey began that day, to be honest. Every time they called a meeting, the meetings got bigger and bigger. They ended up being 147 of us all together by, like, 2012, 2013. Um, And we was then invited to take part in the post office investigation. Coming up, the fight back begins. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. Richard, by this point, in the years after 2012, 2013, everyone seems to understand that something has gone badly wrong. You've got Alan Bates, who's been on this for more than a decade. You've got MPs getting involved. You've got investigative journalists like yourself unearthing new facts and leaked reports. But you've still got dozens of sub-postmasters whose lives have been ruined. 
They've lost jobs, they've lost homes, some of them have served time. I understand there was even one suicide. This is where their legal fight back begins. Tell me what happened. Well, the the legal fight really kicked off when Alan Bates's group secured a, a group uh, litigation order, which is basically a class action against the post office. It allowed them to essentially to sue the post office for the way they'd been treated. That got going in sort of 2016, 17 and rumbled on for a couple of years. It began to expose what had been happening at many levels within the organisation. And it was complicated, wasn't it? It was split into parts. What were the key ones? The first part was all to do with the way the post office had the contracts they had with sub-postmasters, how they treated them. And that went badly against the post office. It found that they had treated sub-postmasters oppressively. That was the, that was the key word, which has a not just a sort of moral meaning, it has a legal meaning as well, which is that you're really contractually abusing people. It's a stunning victory for the claimant group. We, w- we couldn't be more happy with the judgment from the court. Um, this has been the result of many years' work um, to achieve justice for over... 550 people. The post office just couldn't handle that, so they tried to get the judge thrown off the case, accused him of being biased against them because he'd found against them. You know, it was sort of the ultimate measure of just how defensive, uh, how obstructive to the whole process they'd been. Okay, so that was a huge victory for the sub postmasters, although. They'd waited by then until March 2019 for a judgment like that, almost two decades on for some of them. And then in the summer, a second trial began and it was all about Horizon. What did it find? There was a sort of feeling that um, it couldn't be this bad. I thought maybe, you know, there were a few problems and they were combined with more innocent errors on the part of sub-postmasters that had not been properly dealt with by the post office. I didn't expect it to be quite so explicit that this IT system was just awful and that the post office had tried to cover that up. But that, that's what emerged in, in the High Court in um, 2019. And it was quite a, a show, really, as, as IT specialists were brought before the High Court and the sub-postmaster's counsel just took them through bug after bug, problem after problem. And the whole pretense that the, re- the post office had been putting up for 20 years, really, just fell apart. The second part of the civil litigation came to an end in December 2019 with a settlement in which the post office agreed to pay just under £58 million But because of legal fees, the final payment split between 550 sub-postmasters was £12 And so for all that pain, all that lost income, all those reputations ruined, it had come down to a payment of just around £20,000 each. Janet, a lot came out in those High Court rulings. We know now the extent of the post office's knowledge about what was going wrong right back to the early 2000s. There were bugs found in Horizon the year before you went to jail. How did you feel about that? It's just relief. I was just relieved. And 
Oh, not yeah. angry. Oh, You're not angry. Well, God, God, of course I was angry. I went to jail, um, but obviously I didn't. We didn't find out that it was the cause. The all these bugs in the system. Um, they were still refusing to admit that there was um, problems with the system. It took a high court judge in the litigation to come to that conclusion. And I think the mentality of the post office, people still trust at this time, even 2019, people still had this trust in what they said. But this civil case wasn't quite the end of the road for Janet. She'd faced a criminal conviction that had resulted in time in prison and she wanted that wrong put right. She wanted her criminal conviction overturned. To do that, she and dozens of others went to the Criminal Cases Review Commission, the CCRC, a public body in charge of investigating possible miscarriages of justice. The 24th of March 2020, I received confirmation from the CCRC um, stating that my case had been referred to the Court of Appeal. And I was, like, stuttering at the fact that they'd done this, that I'd finally... Somebody was actually standing up for me. There was two grounds to the appeals. Um, ground one was about the actual prosecution itself um, and the conviction, and ground two was malicious prosecution, affront to the public conscience. Basically, the withheld... Um, documentation that would have prevented any of the cases going through the court system. And that came to an end at the Court of Appeal in London just a couple of weeks ago with a final judgment. Tell me about the outcome. We won! (laughs) Judges at the Court of Appeal have confirmed the most widespread miscarriage of justice ever seen in the UK by clearing dozens of former postmasters and mistresses who were wrongly convicted of financial crimes. They just started reading through it and I actually actually missed what the judge had said. So I missed the part when he said um, appeals granted on ground one and ground two for for the all the 39 appellants and then started reading the names out. So I'd missed that bit completely because the sound wasn't very good. Um, and then started reading my name and I started crying. I started shaking. Honestly, my body, it was like my body was going into shock. I, th- I was just, trim- just trembling all over. My daughter come running down this little stairwell, absolutely crying her eyes out. So was I, to be honest. <laughs> But for Tony, it was, um, I needed her to be there because she's never spoke about this ever. So she needed to be there for closure for her as well. So it was a proud day, really proud day. I just cried, but it was tears of joy. <sighs> was tears of joy. A long time coming. A long time coming. It had been a long time coming, injustice after injustice, for more than 10 years, and then a legal battle that would span most of the next decade. But when it did land, The Court of Appeal decision was quite something. Let me read you what the judges said about Janet. Post Office Limited concedes only that Mrs Skinner's prosecution was unfair, ground one, 
but we are bound to conclude that her prosecution was, in addition, an affront to justice. Ground two. Her conviction is unsafe, notwithstanding her guilty plea. We quash her conviction. They had gone into court this morning as convicted criminals. They emerged as innocents. There was joy... On that second ground, the court pointed to what it called the post office's knowledge of Horizon's technical problems. Knowledge that it had before seeking to prosecute people like Janet Skinner. The post office today issued an unreserved apology. But for 14 years, it prosecuted hundreds of sub-post masters and sub-post mistresses for stealing money, accusing them of fraud on the basis of a computer system it knew was defective and was wrongly reporting cash shortfalls. Richard, you've been following this story for 10 years and I honestly find it one of the most extraordinary stories that I've ever heard with a victory that finally came so long after these prosecutions took place this month. How big a deal is this? How big a moment was that decision by the Court of Appeal? I think this is just huge. Uh, It's... It's it's sort of mind blowing, really. How can there be such a miscarriage of justice on such a scale? Uh, the latest estimate I've seen is seven hundred convictions being looked at. Uh, it's just incredible that an organisation, a public organisation, which I think is quite important, can do that to people. It poses some very serious questions about not just the organisation, not just the governments that have directed that organisation, but, you know, the culture. How do, we, how do we approach dealing with people who are less powerful? The judge said it himself, this was oppressive. And to have a public organisation that behaves so oppressively towards its people, towards you know, honest members of society, uh, is really quite shocking. A former chief executive of the post office is stepping down from her current public roles in the aftermath of the IT scandal that saw some postmasters wrongly jailed. Paula Venels is leaving the board of Dunelm. So in the day since that devastating ruling from the Court of Appeal, the former chief executive of the post office, Paula Venels, announced that she's quitting the boards of several companies and that she's stopping her duties as a minister in the Church of England. The post office apologised and this weekend said it was now contacting 540 others whose convictions may be unsafe and 100 more where they're asking for more information. Please tell me, Richard, that Horizon is no longer in use. No, the Horizon, there is a new Horizon. (laughs) This is where we are, which appears to be much less flawed. I think the bigger question is whether the organisation is truly reformed. Although the chief executive of the post office has resigned a number of positions, there isn't really a lot of accountability at the top there. The chairman since 2015, the chairman who presided over the scandalous approach to the legal process, uh, he remains chairman. You know, he apologised for what he called historic failures. Um, They're not that historic. They were failures on his watch very recently. So scandalous as this is, you know, the most shocking, most widespread miscarriage of justice in history in Britain, 
Um, many of the people who should have done much better have not paid any price. Janet, I kind of feel like the post office, while it says it's sorry now, over the years has shown less remorse and less guilt than you did when you found yourself wondering whether your staff could be stealing from the till. I know. I just don't know what to say about them, to be honest. They've destroyed so many people's lives, and they have. I mean, you've part of the litigation, you've got people that all decided to fight them, didn't want to plead guilty to set to it, and end up with nothing. And then, but lose the job in the process. Um, you've obviously you've got people who went to jail, people who have had community service orders, and then obviously people who have died during all of this. And to do what? To protect a brand that's supposed to be trusted. Do you think there should be a public inquiry? Yes, I do. Absolutely. They're blaming it all on one person and at the minute. And obviously, I don't want to see her being used as a scapegoat. But she wasn't in charge when I went to jail. There's other people involved. So it needs to be a public inquiry to find out who knew. I mean, you can move on from it. I, I try and move on from it. But it, it is hard, but it'll always be there. But they said uh, the yesterday's history, um, tomorrow is the future, is what they say. And that's what I try and do, because it's obviously there's nothing I can do to change what's happened. All I can do now is look to move forward. Can you rebuild your life? What hopes do you have for the future? Um, just to so know that people can't um, brand me as she's the person who pinched all that money from that post office. It's like my sister, she lives in Australia, and I know they're really, really strict on um, criminal convictions. So I've never wanted to go, but now I want to go because I know that I can and I don't have to put on that application that I have a criminal record. And, you know, that just sounds so strange in actually saying, after 14 years, I'm not a criminal no more. Janet, thank you very much. That's okay. That was Janet Skinner and Richard Brooks. My thanks to both of them. Now, I'm very sorry to tell you that despite that surprise phone call that we began yesterday's episode with, inviting Janet to an online chat with Boris Johnson, she was later told that there wasn't room for her on the call. The Prime Minister has missed out there. It was an absolute pleasure talking to her. We went to both the post office and Fujitsu about these episodes. The post office sent us their statements after the ruling. The chair, Tim Parker, said that the post office is extremely sorry for the impact on the lives of these postmasters and their families, caused by what he described as historical failures. He stressed that prosecutions had stopped years ago and said they were contacting other postmasters to assist them if they wanted to appeal. He also said that the post office continues to reform its operations and culture to ensure such events can never happen again. Chief Executive Nick Reid said, I am in no doubt about the human cost of the post office's past failures and the deep pain that has been caused to people affected. He praised the sub-postmasters, including those who had sadly not survived to see the outcome and whose families have taken forward appeals in their memory. 
I'm very moved by their courage, he said, calling the quashing of historical convictions a vital milestone in fully and properly addressing the past as I work to put right these wrongs as swiftly as possible and there must be compensation that reflects what has happened. Fujitsu said it was dedicated to supporting its customers, employees and people they serve across the UK and was continuing to cooperate with any inquiries into what happened. The government has launched an inquiry called the Post Office Horizon IT Inquiry, but it is non-statutory and so cannot order witnesses to appear in front of it or demand evidence as activists have called for. That is why a group of 555 sub-postmasters are preparing to file a judicial review at the High Court this week demanding a full public inquiry instead of what they're calling a whitewash inquiry. That is it for today. This two-parter was produced by Sammy Kent and Ned Carter-Miles. Sound design was by Axel Cacoutier. The executive producers are Phil Maynard and Nicole Jackson. We'll be back tomorrow. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.